Well, say amen, somebody. We are back for another episode. And matter of fact, oh, now it's time to say goodbye to all my Negro Christian friends. Uh, it is the last. <laughs> it is the last episode of the season. Listen, just another day, just another episode that the Lord has kept us. Episode ten. We're going to round out this season. So this is kind of like the season finale for the Say Amen podcast. But don't fret. Don't fret. I'm already working. I'm already grinding. I'm already booking uh, the Saints for season two. So we will be back for sure. Season two is coming at the top of January. We got some good, good, good stuff um, coming your way. Um, But it is, well, actually, yesterday was World AIDS Day. So let's take a moment to recognize the awareness of World AIDS Day. We gotta, 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 gotta still get this pandemic under control. Um, So yeah, that's, it was December 1st. Um, I encourage everyone to educate yourself on HIV AIDS awareness. Um, Go to hiv.gov. Um, listen, it's 2020. You could go to enough governmental CDC websites to find out and educate yourself. Um, so yeah, it is, yesterday was World AIDS Day. So definitely uh, educate yourself on that. So let's get into the affirmation. The affirmation for today is every day I come one step closer to being the person I dream of being. I will be more forgiving, more accepting, and more kinder or kind, more kind. Um, Yeah, that speaks for itself. Forgive. Listen, out here in these COVID streets, no man know the day nor the hour when you will go home to be with the Lord. So listen, you need to forgive. You need to accept and you need to just be kind, especially the saints, because there's some mean saints out there. I'm just going to tell the truth, shame the devil. Um, So, yeah, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Self-love, self-care, all of that good stuff up in here, up in here. So say amen for my ride or die in this thing we call Say Amen podcast, Carl Thomas, the presiding elder. (laughs) What is going on? What is going on? Yes, we are at the end of the road, but not the end of the road permanently, just the end of the road for this season. It has been a journey. Yes, it has. What started out as literally a a simple thought has now blossomed into something much more than we could ever imagine. Eyes have not seen. But what I can say is... If you thought the first season was something, stay tuned. The oh second my. season, my, my, my. Yes, yes, yes. We I'm... got some stuff coming down the pipe. But most importantly, we want to thank you all for being faithful and active listeners, subscribers, those who've been praying. We even want to thank those who've been praying against us. Thank you. Ooh, how you doing? Mm, my mind, because they out there, trust me, um, especially especially in these podcast streets, because the 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 market for podcasts is so, so, so saturated. And so, you know, it's a lot of podcasts out there. And if you haven't been doing it already, um, you already kind of late to the game. And so, you know, some of the veterans, they a little shady with it. That's all right, though, because what God has done and the doors that he has opened, listen, the Lord, he will make room for you. 
your gifts will make room for you. So I'm not concerned. I never was concerned about the the uh, saturation of all the podcasts. I was never worried. And I'm still not worried because I know that the Lord that I serve, the God that I serve, ha, is sin. He opened the door and he will make room for us as long as we continue to inspire you, encourage us and stay in our lane. Because listen, there's no traffic in our lane. How about that <laughs> at all? So we're just going to stay in our lane and do what God has called us to do here on the Say Amen podcast. And that is to educate, to motivate, to encourage you uh, to be the best person that you can be. All right. So. And in that same vein, I'm going to give you all the word of the day. It's so interesting how things kind of align themselves. The word of the day is simply thrive. Oh, yeah. It means to grow vigorously or uh, flourish, to gain that, wealth or possessions, to prosper, to progress toward or realize a goal despite or because of circumstances. Just thrive. Mm, Here, it is. Here it is, World AIDS Day, and people are not only living, they're thriving. Here it is, we're in the midst of COVID and people are still thriving and still multiple streams of income is still coming forth. So that's just the word of the day, just thrive. (laughs) You know, somebody did a post on Facebook about um, comment below if you have started a job during COVID within the last six to eight months. And I was so proud to be able to say, you know, God not only opened one door, he opened two. At one point, I had two jobs, two full-time jobs. So you can't tell me that people are not thriving in these streets. Um, but I do, we do recognize that, you know, not everyone is thriving. There's still people out here struggling. There's still people out here that's, uh, you know, going through. And we'll continue to keep them on our prayer list. Um, but again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining us um, every episode for Say Amen podcast. We couldn't do it without you guys. Um, you guys, our Amen Corner is constantly thriving and growing with each episode. Join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Carl, I have a question for you because this is going to be the Amen Corner for this uh, episode. It's going to be kind of like a roundup. Um, what was one of your favorite episodes? Ooh, um, I would say for me, honestly, I can't give a set favorite. I think for me, it may have been the episode with uh, Kiawana. Oh, yeah. And for me, it was easy. Not saying all of the other episodes haven't been easy, but there I felt something in that in that episode and in and during the interview, and I was just like, I don't know what I have tapped into, but <laughs> it's something ruined, and that thing has not let off of me. Shout out Kiawana. She was our first female on the podcast. Yeah. And, and you know, she said something that has stuck with me. Show up great. Show up great. Yeah. And that's anything you do in life. Just show up great. Yeah, yeah. But all of the guests have been good this season. Yeah, I would say all of the guests have been good. I can honestly critique myself. I haven't been the best at all season. It's been some episodes that I truly struggle, like struggle with the interview portion, struggle with the segments. Um, but I didn't stop. 
I never lost my faith. I kept it moving. Um, one of my favorite episodes, which is probably, you know, there's that uh, post that says, uh, do the podcast. Your first podcast would be your worst podcast. <laughs> um, my favorite episode will probably be the first episode. I was scared out of my mind. Yeah. Um, nervous, full of nerves, but the interview um, and the prayer at the end of the interview, amen, Quinny, y'all couldn't see me, but baby, listen, I was trying to keep it together because I almost lost it. I was almost soggy face and tears with the prayer because the prayer was literally, shout out to my pastor, Pastor Joseph L. Brown. Um, the prayer was like full circle of the manifestation of the vision that I had for the podcast to see and just to have it sealed with that prayer, knowing that we gonna be all right. We gonna be all right. Hey, 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 hey. Um, I've had, <laughs> but some of the Amen Corner segments, I have loved, um, and Amen, our Amen Corner that listen to those segments, I can always tell they love the shade. They love the shade. They would send me a text message and was like, listen, you and Carl, the shade in this episode. <laughs> Some episodes have been way shadier than others, but you know, <laughs> that's what we, I mean, we got the uh, merchandise is going to be posted on the website during the break, but we got a t-shirt that literally says scripture and shade. Say amen podcast. How you doing? <laughs> we will always give you some scripture, but we'll also throw a little shade too. Um, but yeah, that's what that was one of my favorite episodes. Um, one of my favorite guests besides Pastor Brown, I would say um Dr. Cunningham was a big, he was oh, a good was one a too. Good. Um, he was a good one. Shout out to Dr. Cunningham, he was awesome. Um even shout out to Carol J. Williams, Elder Williams, because listen, the one yeah. on grief, literally after we published that episode a week before last, I know of three people that was dealing with grief. Um, and, and, you know, I, you know, subtly um, shared with them, <laughs> shared with them the um share with them that episode because we had some great discussion about grief in that episode. Um Let's keep it moving. Um, I want to talk briefly about the Grammy nominations and the Soul Train Award nominations in the gospel category, because, you know, I struggle with this because the people that constantly get nominated, they do good work. Yes, they do. We acknowledge that they have good uh, producers. They have those mountaintop experiences and they come down with, you know, the tablets of the words of the Lord and they turn them into music. But God, I just want to see new people nominated and new people winning these categories. And I think, I mean, the thing about it is the newer generation of gospel artists, they just got to step it up. I mean, point blank, period. But uh, it's just hard. It's, it's hard because you want to acknowledge the the uh, the pioneers um, and the people that have paved the way and the people that are still putting out good music, but you still want to see some fresh blood too. So, um, but congratulations to everyone that was nominated in for the gospel category of the Soul Train Music Awards and the Grammys. Um, congrats to all of them. I uh, I. Did you watch the Soul Train Awards on BT? I, I did. Um, Listen, can we talk about Charlie Wilson doing that Rance Allen tribute? Listen, he did all of that. I was thoroughly impressed. So, 
Is that shade, Carl? <laughs> no. <laughs> Here's the thing. When I think of a Rance Allen tribute, I didn't want to think about having sex prior to it. Charlie Wilson got up there with Smokey <laughs> Robinson, and they doing them old school grandpa throw your panties on the stage type music, them good old slow jams. That's that fine. It's fine. And then he yeah. said, "Well, I'm gonna do a, a tribute to Bishop yeah. Rance Allen," and you get up there on a shuck and jive and play tambourine, and I'm like, <laughs> I am so confused by this. <laughs> I don't know whether to clap. I don't know whether I don't know what is get, going on. Get a glass of brown liquor or what? No, I enjoyed like, okay, it. Now, okay, do I put the communion cup down or do I, you know, like, <laughs> get your I crown apple? Know, but what I appreciate about Charlie is, and a lot of his performances, he always makes it his business to infuse gospel into it some kind yeah, of way. Yeah. So however he's reaching people, that's fine. I was just confused. Because <laughs> like, you got Smokey Robinson coming out at 80, Charlie Wilson at 67, <laughs> and then they get out and then soon as Smokey Robinson leaves, he comes out and want to do Rance Allen. And I'm like, okay. Oh, Shout out to the background singers and the house band. My, they my. Every set. Every set. Listen, shout out to PJ Morton for repping for both the R&B category and the gospel category when it comes to the cypher. Oh my gosh. Like there's, I mean, in my mind, PJ just cannot do no, no wrong, regardless of the category. Um, and it is not too many people out there that have been nominated in both the R&B and the gospel category. So shout out to him for that. What did you think of Jasmine Sullivan's performance? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. She is, and I know some people. Now, you, Carl, of all people know, I was bragging because, you know, my circle is like that. Um, a couple years ago, Carl and the rest of my tribe, they surprised me at the Howard Theater with a concert to see Brandy. And so I was bragging about that and how, you know, I, I love Brandy. Brandy is the vocal Bible. And she had an amazing performance too. However, Jasmine Sullivan is like right under her baby. Because listen, Jasmine Sullivan can get Brandy around for her money. So I loved the songs. I, I loved it. I did get confused visually with the video interpretation of it and how mm -hmm. it fit with the song. Mm -hmm. Brandy is consistent. Mm. Now, look, some people may be mad at this. I love Brandy, but the whole lip singing, I'm like, can is anybody singing live? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm gonna leave that alone because I was surprised by that too, especially for her. Um, like, how can you know what's coming next? In your, I mean, I guess that's the and, signs and, of and a good performer. Like, I, I, I get it. You know, they. Shout out to BET and Soul Train for being as creative as they could considering the circumstances. Um, they really stepped up all year. It's clear yeah. that um, Tashina Arnold and Tisha Campbell, they've been doing it for the past three years. Tashina Arnold may not need the check, but it's clear that Tisha Campbell does. And Tisha um, Campbell, she worked hard. She almost overdoes it. 
I mean, I, I get it since that divorce, she ain't been able to pay her bills, but <laughs> how you can, but sis, like them outfits, I, yeah. Yeah, her outfits, I was talking about that too. I did not like her outfits at all. Yeah. Tashina looked good, but. Um, Tashina is consistent. Like, I, yeah. she's consistent for me. Uh, I'll say, but Brandy's performance was good. It was solid. It's what I expected. Monica, you know, I'm ATL all day, born and raised. Monica gave me what I needed. Now, mm. what I got pissed about is, how you gonna go sit your ass at a piano? <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, you learn how to play and piano now? I'm like, Monica, I if this is a part of your set, that's cute. But you would've done that sitting on the piano and giving dramatics as opposed, you done sat behind the piano and I'm like, what's up? Like, what you doing? Like, who you fooling? Like, you ain't playing a little nut. I'm like, you ain't Tony Braxton. You ain't Alicia Keys. Tony Braxton can, be, Braxton can barely play. What are you talking about? But what I'm saying, Tony can play. I ain't never seen Monica barely. do that. Yeah, I've Monica never seen Monica do that, but Tony can but barely play too. she sang my hits. Yeah. Um, I think after 27 years, it was well deserving of her winning the ladies' yeah. Um, It was interesting seeing Brandy and Monica in the same space. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you know, it, I, overall, I thought it was good. Um, shout out to again, shout out to Soul Train for putting something together. Yeah, they did really good. I'm um, shout out, shout out to Soul Train and BET because they really have stepped up this year and been really creative and out of the box and trailblazing when it comes to award shows and what award shows could and should be. I like the set at the Soul Train Awards because it actually was reminiscent of the old Soul Train set with the stage, the raised stage yeah. and the front part of the stage. All they needed was one old quick quarantine style um, Soul Train line. But other than that, it was great. Um, and that's all I got. Um, and just to go back, when you're talking about the Grammys, what I've noticed about the Grammys is it's not, to me, I don't think it's about the music anymore. It's you, about the popularity. Because when you think about it, and, and trying to identify who's who. Because if you think about somebody like Beyonce, she oftentimes still gets put in the R&B category and she hadn't been R&B since her first album. You know, the Grammys, they've come with a lot of backlash because of these nominations. When it comes to like The Weeknd, so many artists have spoken out against them recently. The Weeknd, Justin Bieber, um, Drake, it's been a couple other artists that have spoken out against them um, and think that they deserve more. Um, but I will say this, I think we need as a black community, as black artists, I mean, even though Justin Bieber isn't black, I'll say for the black artists, I think we need to start putting more weight in our um, our award shows and our awards. Um, shout out to the ladies of the view, not the view. Shout out to the ladies of the real, because uh, Lonnie Love. Sometimes Lonnie Love rubbed me the wrong way, but today she was spot on. She pulled literally her Image Awards out, her NAACP Image Awards, and she said these weigh more and these mean more to me then. And then she pulled her Emmy out. She said because these come from my people. And I think that is a mindset that we need to, we, we do the same thing with, when it comes to black businesses. 
versus, you know, mainstream businesses. We need to support black businesses more, that sort of stuff. We need to support our award shows more so that they have more weight. But the other side of that is when it comes to negotiating your coin, I understand when you say, yeah, I'm a Grammy nominated or I'm a Grammy winner or an Emmy or Oscar nominated. Then Mm -hmm. you can negotiate your coin a little bit more. So I understand. So it's just playing the politics of it. But I think the backside of that or the other side of that is put more into our awards. So like the Soul Train Awards and the BET Awards. So that means more to us in our community, but be able to and be well-versed to also manage the politics of the other side of things, um, even if you do or don't win. That's my thing with the Grammys. And speaking of Black businesses you putting into our own, did you hear about the story coming out of Dallas? with the, <laughs> the the owner of True Kitchen, the restaurant. And he told them he black went, women to stop twerking. He went viral because yes, he, he gave he a did. speech and he was saying that basically he didn't build his, the restaurant is not for people to be twerking. He doesn't he done, he done agree with women doing that because he, don't, he doesn't want them objectified and things like that. Now, I understand. I don't totally agree. I, from what I've been reading about it, some people have said that they felt the need to twerk and dance because the food was taking so long to come out. Mm. So if, if, if it's taking an hour plus for the food to come out, mm. and, you, and 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 to keep you engage and having a good time you're just ordering drinks so think about it after you done had about two or three long islands or two or three uh Listen. um hennessy and pineapple you know yeah. back on the other hennessy <laughs> <laughs> hennessy margarita bourbon margarita let me right stop. i love no. a good bourbon margarita <laughs> but after you've had a few cocktails you good and lit so if you put if you start playing meg the stallion and next thing you know, somebody stands up and starts twerking. It's like being at the family reunion, so to speak. Now, there's another part to that. There is a, what's not seen and shown is the part where he did tell them to stop standing on the furniture. Mm-hmm. And so he said, stop standing on the furniture. He warned him several times. Now, as an owner, you have the right to refuse service. Right. But you came and you gave a whole speech on the floor. Yeah. Several things were wrong with that video. And the speech, to me, it's okay for you to give that speech. And I came in on the tail end of this whole story when it hit mainstream. But when I saw the video, I understand as a business owner, his intentions of building a restaurant and the clientele having a place for black people to come. But don't be disrespectful and don't be cussing at me like I'm some Negro off the street. That's, That's when I had the issue. Like he telling them get the F out. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. Oh, oh I will. I'll take my good black dollar somewhere and, else. And, and, and even further, the part that got me was, let's start here. That restaurant was packed. Right. It's, COVID still, last of my So you were out of order, sir. But you, first of all, the restaurant is packed. I understand people are eating so they're not wearing masks, but you were addressing them standing in the middle of the floor. You weren't wearing a mask either, sir. He took it off so he could cuss them out. 
So you want to talk about leading by example. Right. You got them in there twerking and they lit and you stand over there spreading COVID because you stand up there talking with no mask on. Let's let's just be smart. Yeah. And granted, from what I know from people that live in Dallas and stuff like that, they say, oh my God, the, the food is good. And like it's a weakness. Like people, it's, but I've been to black owned restaurants and it's kind of the like, it's like, at what point do we stop blaming others for customer service when it starts within? You know, customer service in black restaurants has always been a thorn in my side because it's like, do, am I being, I always have to check myself, like, am I being unfair by holding higher standards for black businesses? Because I expect a level of service but sometimes they really just be they think just because they black and i'm black you can treat me any kind of way and i'm like i know damn well if this was uh safe if i was to go into target or a macy's or a lord and taylor or bloomingdale's you wouldn't treat me like this so why isn't when i come in your black establishment in a black neighborhood you just can treat me any kind of way even like at the grocery store if i was going to a wegmans or whole foods you wouldn't treat me a certain way, but if I go into a giant in a black neighborhood, I don't even get a hello. What? I can tell you one business, they're not black owned, but I can tell you one business that their customer service is A1. That's that Chick-fil-A, even in the black neighborhoods. They still be like, my pleasure. Uh-huh, it sure is your pleasure. <laughs> now give me extra Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not gonna be the dead horse, but I, for as hard as we fought mm. to have a level playing field and the resources that we're given, if you have an opportunity to be a business owner, to be successful, shouldn't you, your business be a reflection of who you are and right. what you're trying Because if you're trying to compete with a larger chain and you have the support of the community, why don't you think this community deserves that? And you know, some of these black business owners, they'll go in other establishments and expect a certain level of service or they'll expect to be treated uh, how they want to be treated. But when it comes to their specific business, it's, you know, all hands down, you know, it's no hose bars, whatever. Um, It's a certain smoothie uh, place here in the DMV. I used to support them and support them and support them. Um, and the last time I went in there, it was the worst. And I'm like, you do know you have competition literally 15 minutes away from here, right? Um, because I went in there. I mean, literally, it's two of them back there. One of them on her cell phone. She had her phone in her bra with the mouth part facing up so she could talk on the phone. The other one was cutting fruit. Both of them back towards me, but you did hear the bell when I walked in the door. So I'm standing there, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna see how many minutes is it gonna take for you to even acknowledge me, let them. I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, black businesses, please do better. Please do better. And I promise I'll be fair with my expectations, but please do better. I want to give a shout out to Chadwick Bozeman. He would have been 44 on November 29th. Rest in heaven, rest in power, please, sir. Um, his, his movie, the last movie he did with Viola Davis. Oh, yeah, I heard it's good. 
this week or it's co- next I heard it is amazing like Viola Davis acted her patootie off on that thing so I'm looking forward to it Speaking of movies, uh, Pam Greer wants Spike Lee to direct her upcoming biopic. I'm actually here for it. And I think that'll be a great director for that. Like his aesthetic and his his way of cinematography with her uh, her catalog of movies and both, both in front of the camera and her life behind the camera. I think that's a great combination. I hope he signed on to do it. So we'll see. Um, what else? One thing we will not talk about on this podcast is what's his name? The Walls Boy. We will not. Okay. We will not. We We, maybe we'll discuss it in season two when we have experts in that can exegete text and translate. I I hear you. So I'm going to take a moment of privilege and just say this. I let's be thankful for grace. Listen. Thankful for mercy. Listen. And let's get to a place where people can be comfortable and live their truth without fear. And repercussion. <sighs> That's all I'm going to say on that. I could say so much about this, and we will be I on mean, here forever. I don't Just want to because. I don't because uh, for a couple you know reasons. What? You know what? That's just like when everybody was like sharing the video that. So I do need to say this Beware of who you call friends. That part too. And and revamp your close friend list on Instagram make sure your circle is a circle and not a square yeah you heard me (laughs) and revamp (laughs) your close friend list on Instagram listen because the reality (laughs) is this when people choose to be happy and share it that is a personal and intimate yeah so regardless of your opinion regardless of how you feel allow them to be happy you're happy. Allow them to be happy. Ugh. At the end of the day, those who can be free are free. Those who can't be free, th- thank God that there is grace and mercy that abides over their life. For your goodness and your mercy towards us. Mm-mm-mm. Next up. We, we offer praise. He sung that song on Instagram. It was six minutes long. I listened to every single second of it. And baby, by the end of it, I was no good. Because, yeah. (laughs) Um, Now let's move on. The sermonic selection for this episode. At first, it was going to be something Christmassy because um, this episode is, of course, coming out at the top of December. Um, shout out to my bro, uh, Roger Drows and Grace for Oh Holy Night on their new album, um, A Graceful Christmas. Please, please, please pick it up. That album from beginning to end is absolutely amazing. I'm not just saying it because I know Roderick and I've sang with Roderick. We grew up together at Easter. Um, I'm not just saying it. No, it's just the quality of the music. Please get it. But 
for this particular uh, Samana selection, I am choosing Higher Ground by Tawanda Reinhardt. Now, the reason why I'm doing this song is because it's good and churchy. It's not a Christmas tune, but it is good and churchy. Um, if you're in the DMV, you know Tawanda Reinhardt, the Reinhardt family. Those are some singing Negroes. Um, Tawanda Reinhardt, uh, she comes out of Eastern Senior High School, also another alumni of Rambler. Uh, shout out to George Garrett, doc, <laughs> Dr. Joyce Garrett in Eastern High School Choir. She came out of that. Uh, she was one of the tra trailblazers of the 80s choir that went overseas and won awards and stuff that put Eastern on the map. And she has sang for so many people, saying backup and lead features and everything. So I'm so happy that it is her time. Listen, Amen Corner, delay does not mean denial. Denial does not mean delay, whatever you want to call it, but flip it, smack it, flip it, rub it down. But delay does not mean denial. Just because you just have to stay faithful over a few things. And that's what Tawanda Ronhart did. She stayed faithful over a few things. She served in her church. Of course, she had to. She's a church baby. Her dad was bishop and everything like that. But Tawanda Ronhart, higher ground is the, uh, the Samani selection. For this episode, please pick it up. It's already out now. And I can only imagine, like, the studio version that she released as her single is amazing. But, baby, when she sing this thing live, mm, I'm going to be on the floor somewhere. I already know it. And I just want to add a, a beast selection to that to close out the podcast. And that's just simply Walter Hawkins. Thank you, Lord. Mm. To just some, I know, that's yeah. the church inside of but it's the sum of 2020. Yeah. Because when you think of it, it could have been, it should have been. Listen. Could have been me outdoors. Outdoors. My mind. With no food and no clothes. All left alone. The economy's down. People can't get paid. Oof. <laughs> my protection. Listen. Danger seen and unseen. Through In COVID the bedroom, out of the bedroom. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's such a fitting song to Yeah. Close. That's we oftentimes sing it, and this year, you know, it's the same. You hear a song, mm. and, and sometimes you just sing it, but it's when you're going through, the you lyrics understand hit. the lyrics. Yeah, they hit hard. And yeah. it's such a timeless song that was written back then. Absolutely. It's still relevant today. Even more relevant today, because 2020. Like, she talked about something that's still happening today. Right, this, right. This, economy it's just like mm -hmm. I, I get it so thank you lord for all you have done yes. for little old me yes for each and everybody thank you thank mm. you it's just two words that mm. means so much thank you i'm gonna leave it there because that's good that's good. Amen Corner. Next up, we have our ministry moment, our conversation with Aaron A. Davis. And I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about, of course, World AIDS Day. So stay tuned. Well, say amen, somebody. I am so excited about this. I'm going to stop calling them 
interviews, they're actually discussions and conversations. That's a little bit more proactive and productive. Um, they're not interviews. We're not interviewing the person per se. We're having a conversation that is hopefully inspiring somebody, that is motivating somebody. Um, but I am excited about this particular guest that's joining us for this particular episode because um, I told him before we started recording, I was like, he is the friend in my, the, one of the best friends in my head. So I, I love my circle. I love my tribe. However, this is one of the ex, this is one of the next people in my in the tribe in my head. Because if you go to his Facebook page, if you go to his socials, he is the voice that says some of the things that I want to say. Um, most of the things that I want to say, he'll say them. Um, <laughs> whether it's about politics, whether it's about um, just any damn thing. I absolutely love, love, love going to his page. I don't, I think Facebook knows the algorithms because your, your IG, not IG, your Facebook page is like one of the first ones that come up like, okay, what did Aaron post today? So anyway, a couple months back, I was elated to find out that this young gentleman, um, he was actually promoted and he of course posted about it on, on social media about, you know, his uh, apprehensions and, and we all go through that when it comes to, um, elevation. We were like, well, am I qualified? Can I do a good job? Um, but I think the thing about him and the thing about, uh, the thing about all of us is everything that we go through prepares us for our next level. We just don't know it yet. And so this young brother, he is the acting division chief. Come on, somebody. Within the Center of, for HIV Prevention and Health Services for the Maryland Health Department. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Aaron Davis. Welcome to the Say Amen podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It has been a road since you originally asked me to, to getting here. I was like, oh my gosh, this thing's so far away. And, it, and then literally it just crept up right right on me. So sure I am did. happy that you uh, have me on tonight um, to discuss a really important topic. And I am excited to see what, 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 what goes down. So we'll see what happens. So let's start out with what I'm always interested in this question because everyone's journey is so different. My journey is different. Carl, his journey is different. Um, so what brought you to working in the field of HIV prevention and health services? So um, I've, I've said this before on my um, Facebook page and I always like telling to new audiences, um, but um I actually started in this field back in 2006 after my own um, HIV diagnosis. Um, um, at the time, I wasn't far removed from graduating from undergrad, living with my parents in my little hometown in Ohio. And if you know anything about my hometown, topics of HIV just aren't generally discussed, as in the situation in many like small towns. And so I actually found out about my own diagnosis in a very unconventional way. So I was working um, for a charter school at the time. I didn't have uh, my own like insurance. So I went to apply for like life insurance and did that, got a letter back in the mail saying that they couldn't cover me because something in my blood study. Again, I'm at home, I didn't know what it was. 
So wow. I have a you know family history of diabetes. I have family history of cancers in my family. So I thought it was something like that. So then I get um, a letter in the mail following Monday with my test results. In it. And I've read those letters, HIV shocked me to my core and I was just so shaken. Um, the following day I went to my local health department um, to get a confirmatory. Cause again, you get in the mail, you don't know what's going on. And I remember the conversations I had at the time with the person doing the test and you could tell that they were uncomfortable talking about the topics of HIV. Were they black or white? They were white. Mm. <laughs> they were white. They were older. Okay. Um, especially talking about HIV with the black gay man. Right. Um, and so they did the test, um, came back positive. And then they said that, okay, somebody will be contacting you to get you linked into services. Waited a couple days, heard nothing back. Week later, no, nothing back. Mm-hmm. Literally, I heard nothing back from this health department and I immediately got angry about it. But it also lit a fire underneath me because I know my situation not isn't unique, not necessarily how I found out, but the situation of trying to get linked into needed services. And mm-hmm. so for me, it gave me purpose um, to go into this field because I want to be there for other young black gay men who may need services and the system isn't there for them as it mm-hmm. needs to be. So that's what gave me kind of my kick in the butt to go in this um, field. And I've been doing it since 2007. Wow. What do you ever, and I know this isn't a question that we have on the thing, but just the flow with it. Because I know my experience. When you, when you discuss this topic and when you talk to people about their status newly infected people mm-hmm. how do you approach it because i'll never forget like i used to go to shout out to us helping us on georgia avenue i used to go there yes. literally every month to get tested mm-hmm. um and i just remember some of the workers there it all workers were not created equal some of them were great <laughs> Some of them were compassionate, given the awkward situation of you getting tested um, and waiting for those results. Some of them were not as compassionate as others. Um, And then also having that discussion with my primary care physician, I remember that discussion too, which was horrific. I never went to him after uh, that initial discussion. How do you um, have, is there training that you go through um, to prepare you for your work? in HIV testing, specifically in health services? So in terms of actually how to do HIV testing, yes, there is a um, a training that we at the state do offer for um, new HIV testers about how to actually perform the test, but actually how to do the counseling piece. Um, but that's just a small piece of it. I go into every situation trying to come with the compassion that was never afforded to me at the time. That's I think good. that's, it's, that's good. it's it's so important. Like whenever somebody does come to me with a, you know, a new diagnosis, I never ask like, well, what'd you do? Or what didn't you do? That we're beyond that point at, you know, 
at, at this my, at this my, stage. Yeah. And so my goal is to figure out what you need in this moment to help you get through. Because, you know, even though HIV is no longer the death sentence, it still is, there's still a lot of angst about it. So for me, I just want to make sure that I'm there to give you whatever you need in this moment. Whether it's your listening ear, whether yeah. it's to, you know, help you, you know, link to whatever local agency is in your area, whatever you need. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that any HIV tester can can do for you is just to, again, what, what, what do you need from me in this moment? You know, not, not a sermon, not a, well, you should have done this, you should have wore a condom, you shouldn't have slept X, Y, and Z. That does nothing to help solve the problem. And Amen, Corner. I just want you to know that every um, case, every testing scenario is totally different. Mm -hmm. um, but that still should not stop you from getting tested. <clears throat> and I'm not just talking to uh, talking about the Black LGBT plus A B C D E F G I H I J K L M N O P uh, community. <laughs> I'm also talking about the hetero community too. You all need to get tested too. Um, just so that you know, because in these streets, I'm not going to say COVID streets or HIV streets, but everybody needs to get tested. Um, yesterday was uh, World Health, no, World, A World AIDS Day um, that talked about the uh, prevention and um, the infection rates, uh, just to bring a awareness really of yet another pandemic that we're really living in. Um, so with you being in this field, I'll go to the next question. What are some myths that you, that we can debunk about HIV infection and prevention? Because you did mention, and I'm happy that you said that, that it's no longer a death sentence. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, angels. Thank you, black Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes <laughs> because there was no room at the end. <laughs> Thank you, sweet baby Jesus. That is not a death sentence that it used to be in the 80s. Like we stand on their shoulders of, you know, everything that they went through, they sacrificed and they suffered. We stand on their shoulders, but there are still people in 2020 that have all kinds of crazy myths and theories. So what are some myths that we can, can, we can debunk about HIV? Yeah. So I'm gonna give kind of one myth and then one factoid. So the biggest myth is one I think you've already talked about is that HIV just doesn't affect certain people. You know, this whole myth of only black gay men are the only ones that, that get it. And yes, there is data that supports that black gay men in their 20s and 30s are disproportionately impacted by new um, HIV cases. However, HIV does not discriminate no. whether you are straight, mm -hmm. gay, you know, black, white, you know, trans or cisgender. It does not discriminate. Um, case in point, in Maryland, looking at our most recent HIV data, you know, those that were exposed by heterosexual contact was just slightly under um, those who were exposed by male to male contact. Um, and so it does show that people are still getting exposed and that, you know, that gap of, of how they get exposed is, is tightening up a bit. So again, it's important to people to know that HIV is a reality for everyone, not just for people who are, are 
gay or people who use drugs. You know, you don't have to be those quote unquote bad or dirty people that you know you you heard growing up. Um, Ooh, yeah, I that, hate you know, that term, dirty. Oh, the dirty. I hate that term. You know, you, you got you got to use it. <laughs> Those terms that people, you know, throw yeah. back at you. But, you know, you don't have to be one of those people to get HIV. And it's so important. Um, and then the other kind of factoid is that, you know, we have the ability to end HIV in our lifetimes. You know, we have these great tools at our disposal. Um, for example, um, people who are living with HIV, you know, there's excellent medications that are out there. And if you do get virally suppressing, take them regularly. Science has shown, you know, that again, if you were virally suppressed or if you're undetectable, you have effectively no risk of transmitting HIV to anyone else. Absolutely. And that is awesome. Yeah. And then yeah. if you couple that with uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV negative people or PrEP for short, you know, you have these two arms of prevention, you know, people for people who have HIV and for people who are HIV negative that, you know, if we're all doing our part, you know, we can stop HIV from spreading. Um, but it takes us getting that education, getting that awareness, not just in our communities, but for our medical providers as well. It's mm -hmm. not just the people on the street that need to hear this, but also our physicians who still have their own preconceived notions about who HIV mostly impacts. And so everybody needs to get that education. Do when it comes to prep, mm -hmm. I know is more readily used among Black male LGBT plus community, but <clears throat> well, I my assumption is that it's used more readily available because you know when you go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but but well, do heterosexual uh uh your know, heterosexual male and female do they know about it and do they use it as much as the black lgbt plus community well in terms of kind of usage um typically we see more white gay men using it more and that's a, a question of, of access of who has the ability to afford the medications right? Um, more so than others. It's a question of access, but also a question of advertising. Um, when PrEP first came out, it was widely advertised for gay men. And so women and heterosexual men were often left out of that conversation. You're seeing much more of a concerted effort now to advertise PrEP to different populations, but I think that we did a disservice in the very beginning when PrEP first came out, advertising it, you know, just for certain individuals. And we're kind of playing catch up with that now. Um, but um, it's important to know that PrEP is for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter if you're straight or gay, um, yeah. everybody can can access it. But PrEP is not a, 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 a golden ticket for you to thought and bop it in these streets. <laughs> I mean, I just want to put that out there too, because the Amen. I mean, my Amen yeah. corner, I give them credit that my Amen corner is educated, but any any other listeners that are joining us, <laughs> um, I just wanted to be known that, you know, just because you want prep don't mean you can thought and bop it in these streets because you're still susceptible to other sexually transmitted yeah. infections and diseases. Um, not just, I mean, yeah, you might be, that might keep the HIV away, but you still might end up with a bump or some cauliflower somewhere mm -hmm. you don't want it. 
Yeah. Yeah, it does, it does nothing for the other um, sexually transmitted infections. Right. And so, and again, that goes back to the level of education that's needed to be spread. You know, it's again, it's not this one pill is to save you for everything. So right. you still have to do your due right. diligence, get tests for SDIs regularly, use protection, have conversations about safe sex with your partner, about what that means for y'all as well. Ooh, this conversation can go so <laughs> many ways. It can. <laughs> uh, but we're going to try to stay on target and on topic because, uh, yeah. I... So I've, I'm going to say this. Um, one of the organizations that I work with um, is specialized in, um, I guess, I wouldn't say underprivileged, but um, they... They cater to those in mm -hmm. Prince George's County. And um, one of the things that they do is they, they help with housing, they help with treatment, they help with the educational side of things. And Aaron, one of the things that you said that really struck was education. And one oftentimes when um, we do testing and the counseling portion of it, it's the lack of education. And part of it is because a lot of families or I shouldn't even say families, the yes. our people. Our people. Let me just be yeah. our people. We we feel that especially those in certain zip codes feel that there's an mm -hmm. immunity that is attached to them because of that zip code. And I've seen it when we've gone into churches. And these are large affluent churches and you can have thousands of members and maybe 50 people get tested. Or what will happen is you see the kids coming or leaving high school and leaving on their lunch break to come get tested. But you can't, but because of the law, you could, you know, there has to be parental consent if they're under a certain age and not if they're over a certain age and this kind of segues into the next question. Given all of the education available now, why do you think infections are still high within the African-American population? In the South in particular, and even in an area that is as educated as the DMV yeah. per se. Um, so there's kind of two ways to look at it. There's a way of looking at from the individual, like one-on-one -on -one in our communities. And then there's more systemic things that happen. I'll talk about the community and individual thing one-on-one. -on -one. You know, stigma is still a big thing with, with HIV. You know, you know 30 oh, yeah. plus years later, we're still having to fight fights that should not have still be fighting today you know right. you know and it, it and it oftentimes mm -hmm. is not even about hiv per se but it's about our perspectives on sex in general like sexuality not just sex homosexuality sexuality yes, in sexuality general. in general you know yeah. gender identity our feelings about contraceptives you know all of that is still yeah about nudity about just nudity, touches, you know touching yourself and just you know you know you know oh so okay came, <laughs> someone so came to church in too tight dress oh my gosh right Lord. right she's going like, to, oh she don't know jesus set, set the court. yeah just all that stuff and um i think when we when we relegate those things to the shadows we don't have 
the spaces needed to have open conversations about particularly um, HIV. Yeah. I can remember, you know, my own upbringing, you know, I grew up in a religious household. You know, we were apostolic, you know, so of course we was in church all the time. Vacation Bible Ooh. schools, yes, Sunday sir. school, all that stuff, you yes, know. Sir. You know, I have deacons and bishops in my family, you know, church secretaries. I have all of that in my family, you know. And so I grew up around that. And the only conversation I had growing up about sex was with my dad. And he said, don't get a girl pregnant. I'm like, bingo, dad. You ain't got to worry about that. Yep. <laughs> I can follow that. I can follow that real well. But yes! it, just, it just goes to show that, you know, we don't create those spaces for people to show up as their authentic self. And talk about what you like to do sexually you know and not sexuality as a consequence but Mm -hmm. as something that is to be is pleasurable and can be enjoyed and it can be enjoyed just as well you know when if you're safe about it you know we don't have those conversations and again when you don't create those spaces that's when people start tiptoeing around the dark and i was told the same exact thing like just don't get no girl pregnant Yep. But like, I needed more than that. Like, <laughs> and I was inquisitive. You know, we all had, our, our dads had that box of porn tapes, <laughs> porn VHSs that we watched. And I had questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't that. And I hope that, you know, that's one of, I don't, I don't want to get that deep and spooky and say that it's a generational curse. But I hope that in 2020 and beyond, we are able to create more cohesive conducive environments for our youth to have those discussions because that will help um avoid some of the mistakes that we made and avoid you know some of the infections and Mm -hmm. stis stds a lot of that because you have those conversations with your parental um units or you know those uh, mentors uh, that can help you discover what you like and let you know that it's okay that you like what you like. No, I was just going to say, you know, it, it goes back to that word stigma. And we we oftentimes focus to some degree the stigma on the disease or the virus, but there's a stigma that is attached to sexuality altogether. And if for some reason, it becomes such a taboo subject. Those of us, you know, who have grown up you know in very religious households you know we were taught just don't do it or don't go in this but the problem with just saying just not do it is okay you're telling me not to do it but what is so bad about it that because for instance let's say the woman gets pregnant that's in the choir with Mm -hmm. somebody in the church we we demonize the quote-unquote sin i.e the the pregnancy but the stigma behind like sexuality is such a taboo subject and i think we don't mo- most parents don't have those yeah. kitchen table talks if we you know it's more than just the birds and the bees like let's talk about putting right. on condoms because at some point that conversation needs to be had and if you're not talking about it and your children don't feel comfortable in having those conversations then where do they go and get guidance from right. their friends Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so you got so you got it's five of y'all who are inexperienced talking right. about how to have and sex. That, 
And so then it yeah, and that yeah. kind of brings me to like the second part of the kind of like how you know it's it's not discussed and it's systematically. You know, you, I think you were talking about it earlier. When you know school based HIV testing education, there are a lot of places that are still absent only education. You know, and you have that conversation with you know, talking about absence only at a cafeteria table when everyone is doing God knows what, you know, Listen. that that's that's just not that's not that's not the, the biz, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you're you're not having school based education around sex. Um, you talked about stuff that's happening in the South, you know, again, access is a big issue, particularly for these rural communities, you know, where you, you got one HIV provider that serves several counties. You know, and so you got to worry about how do I get to my um, my appointment? You know, who's going to watch my kids if I go and all this other stuff? Um, one of the biggies was the fact that when the Affordable Care Act came out, that they did not expand Medicaid access for a lot of these southern states. And so you don't have the ability to pay for needed prevention treatment services that you could get normally. For example, Maryland, Medicaid covers PrEP services and in other places it doesn't. So um, again, there's these these things that can happen to kind of alleviate these high rates. You know, the, the systemic stuff is a lot harder to do at times, but, you know, we can start to have those kitchen table talks as you were talking about. So I guess kind of control what's happening in our own homes. I did not okay. know that Maryland cover it covers prep services. Yes, um, Maryland Medicaid. If you are enrolled in that, it does cover prep. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. See. And and so it's in, it's interesting that you say that, Aaron, because it it just it really shows the divide that is this country, and it's really more. And then just just to bring politics into yeah. it for thirty seconds, if you see like the way if you look at the map and you see the blue states versus the red states. For instance, I'm from Atlanta. So Atlanta itself is a Mecca for gay men. Everybody knows, they, you know, they, they, they're the black Mecca, and then there's San, San Francisco, and then there's Atlanta. Everybody knows that. However, people forget that there's Atlanta, and then there's Georgia. Georgia was one of those states that opted out of the, that part of the Affordable Care Act. So you have everybody flocking to a city engaging in high-risk behavior to some degree because it was evident during COVID. While COVID is still going on, people not wearing masks and clubs, you know, they're, they're down all types of different things. And so I think in addition to kitchen table talk, I think people need to be educated in what their local state, county, and cities offer in terms of what medical services are available because it's more than just just going to the clinic and so getting the test. So Baltimore, Maryland rounds out the top ten list of cities with the highest HIV uh, rates. Um, what are some programs? So uh, Carl and I, we're the Amen Corner. Carl and I are we both residents of Maryland, mm -hmm. and so the DMV, and I'm a born and raised DC native. So what are some programs that the Maryland Health Department are putting in place to help decrease infections? So there are some things that are happening both at the federal level that impacts Maryland and Baltimore City, and then there's some other things that we are doing here. So um, I don't know if you're aware. So um, one of the things, okay, 
because this is me taking off my Maryland Department of Health badge off. One of the things I will say that I can at least give credit to this current administration on is the fact that they are putting forward um, a plan to end the epidemic by 2030. Um, and so what they did was they looked at the jurisdictions around the country with the highest burden of HIV um, infections. And they're charging each of those jurisdictions to come up with their own individual plans of how to deal with their local epidemic. In Maryland, Trump? Yeah. Wow. Well. Surprised by that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So um, in Maryland, we have actually three jurisdictions, Baltimore City, Prince George's County, and Montgomery plant, uh, County. And they're all creating their own individual end of the epidemic plans. Again, it's charging them to reduce new infections by 90% by 2030 and so i'm a big fan of people handling their own stuff you know because sometimes sometimes people you know who are too high up you know don't know what's needed in your own backyard so um they are planning their own activities to be implemented over these these 10 years so i'm excited to see actually what they come up with um their plans are due um i think to the CDC in December, at the end of December. So we'll see what kind of activities that they have decided to do um, for their um, respective jurisdictions starting in, in 2021. So, so look out for that. For the Maryland Department of Health, but not just us, but for I think people around the country, the big part of why we still are in this place is that we have not addressed what makes people vulnerable to HIV. Um, and so this year has been a unique experience, you know, what happened in the summer with all of the protests around the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so many others that were killed by the quote unquote system. And so it created an opportunity for us in this field to have the conversation of we can't continue to do business as usual. You know, there are so many things that impact, you know, people's HIV risk and socioeconomic disparities, all the isms like racism that, again, our field has not been prepared to have until now. And so for the Maryland Department of Health, we've had done our own, we started to do our own work to really make sure that when we create our plans and we're getting ready to create our new five-year integrated plan from 2022 to 2027 to make sure that that is at the forefront of what we do Um, but because you know we can't talk about um, access to prep again if you live in a rural county where there's no prep um, providers you can't talk about um, education um, about HIV when there are little opportunities to address HIV in the public school system in general, you know, and improve upon those services. So we really want to make HIV, the way we look at it, a more holistic approach to HIV prevention. And so, again, we're making sure that when we do create our new integrated plan, that the isms are discussed 
in our plan and that it is responsive to you know what's happening because it's it's about time because i'm tired of being in meetings and listening to again business as usual and it's not addressing what the needs of the community are because oftentimes hiv is the last thing people are thinking about they're thinking about how do i feed my children you know how do i how do i get Mm -hmm. to my job when when transportation is bad hiv is oftentimes the last priority and so we have to address the other stuff first so we can get people focused on hiv what would you say to the saints aka the ain'ts Okay. Um, within the church to help them to aid in uh, not stigmatizing those infected with HIV. Um, I know it comes with a lot of education, but you know, the stigma that they have created within the church. Um, I think that the blood of people are on the church's hands, honestly. And I'll just say that I ain't scared of nobody. This is my podcast. So I just say it. <laughs> yeah, but <that's> right. <laughs> um, the blood of the, the blood of people the blood of people is on the hands of the church because they created that stigma and forced people into exile and they forced people into hiding within the trenches um, to do what they do and to love who they love. Um, (laughs) We can get into a whole new conversation with giving some uh, current events, but we ain't going to go there. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) But I'll go back to the question. (laughs) Um, What would you say to the saints, the AKA (laughs) saints and ain'ts uh, within the church to help aid in um, getting rid of the stigma of those infected? So one of the things I've constantly struggled with as a man of faith is seeing again a lot of things we're talking about seeing how faith walkers and faith talkers extend grace and compassion only to certain people Ooh, baby mm. you know my my mm. can you say that no. one more time conditional, conditional grace you know we, we extend yeah. grace we extend our compassion we can extend a helping hand only to those that fit our narrative of what church should be. And because of that, and going back to, again, creating that that space where, again, sex and sexuality is so taboo, we have created this chasm where the most vulnerable of us to HIV keep falling in. Um, I cannot tell you how many people I've talked to over the years who are model churchgoers they're in the choir they preach this they do whatever and they keep getting hiv and they get hiv and they feel comfortable talking to me because i'm out about my sexuality i'm out about my hiv status they don't feel comfortable having that conversation with somebody at their church and again it's because again we are so used to again putting those people who don't fit our beautiful church narrative over to the side right. you know we we have created the the vip section in our church my, my. so my <laughs> my advice is to take down that velvet rope yeah and start talking to people you know only through talking and understanding one another can we begin the work of healing those who are most vulnerable among us who have been wronged in so many levels you know through the church you know it's 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 
always a, a hard thing to task because again I know that you know I'm and many of us who have talked about this come up against church politics church standards and culture and it's 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 a it's a hard thing but I implore everybody you know just sit down and talk to people you know and talk with the perspective of trying to understand and just listening you know don't insert like well what the way I was raised like don't don't do that just, just sometimes just talk and listen and I think that can start to change people's minds a bit um but it Carl, takes you being able to you know make that first step Carl what was your analogy that you always use about number one the church should be a hospital versus a country club mm-hmm. uh the church <laughs> well what Oh, yeah, so what I've, one of the things that I've preached and said in the church is that if you, we're going to call it a hospital for sick people, it can't be a country club for convenient yeah. Christians. And I'm so glad you said you said something, and I'm going to use that. I'll give, you, <laughs> I'll give you credit for it. We got to remove the VIP yeah. sections in the church because we'll set it up for concerts and things like that. But what I've, one of the things that I discovered in, in particular was the early, the late, as I've done research and I've gotten involved in, I call it prevention from the pulpit, because what I've learned is that when you're just a lay member and you're talking about these things, they hear you, but that whole taboo, we don't want to talk about sex, much less HIV in particular. But the minute you put a collar on and they say you have a little education behind you, mm-hmm. they'll listen, they'll listen right. within reason. They'll listen in the closed door room away from the sanctuary. So you're upstairs and it's only you and other and five other people sitting up there having a conversation. But this is a conversation that needs to be had corporately amongst several hundred or several thousand. Oh, I think it goes and, beyond and not, that though. And not just that during World AIDS Day when it's politically sexy. To right, so. right, right. That's what I was about to say. Cause like right. World AIDS right. Day, the pastor, he'll go in the fellowship hall after church and yep. get tested. Like we talked about that in another episode where like the pastor get tested on mm-hmm. World AIDS Day. But what happens through January through November? Like right. you just want to get tested in December. No, right. we, need and, and full, I, we need all year. But, but yeah, and I think, think it, this this education piece really it, it baffles me how we sit in some of these churches and as educated as the congregation is they are so ignorant to just let's just they're ignorant to sexuality they're ignorant to life and mm. and human beings period and what i mean by that is so in the in the 80s when the aids epidemic really kind of blew up uh, during the reagan administration you know they really didn't want to give a name for it all of a sudden we got we got to get what is this and a lot of churches even and and not so much the 80s and the 90s even now a lot of them still Mm -hmm. call it cancer there's a difference and you'd be surprised at churches who will say oh no this person died of cancer because they don't want to utter those three letters hiv they don't want to say this person died from complications of aids they don't want to talk about that and it's like the minute they begin to acknowledge that one it does exist it is sitting in the pew it is sitting in the pulpit it is sitting in the choir loft it is sitting in this at the um, welcome desk it's sitting in the parking lot 
it's probably in your own in in the preacher yes. house. It could be them themselves. But the minute we start to utter that and 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 not make three letters taboo, like I, I it, it it people like Aaron can come in and give all of these presentations and give statistics, but until the humanity side of the church kicks in, I think it don't matter how much education right. and it's just my opinion just seeing it from both sides. It don't matter how much education we give them until they get to a point where they're not afraid to actually utter the three three letters or four letters, then we can have this conversation. And one of the, one of the organizations I, I was talking about that I work with, SLK, um, Aaron and um, Sharon Coker, she's phenomenal. She's a phenomenal gift in terms of HIV pre prevention, and even those who've been affected of actually doing the work and going into the community. And whenever she and I get together, she's coming from an educational standpoint, but she has me coming from a faith-based standpoint. Yeah. So, and Aaron and I have been in the, the same rooms in, the mm -hmm. in churches, and Aaron is giving his presentation and they're looking clueless, like they've never heard some of this stuff before. And I'm like, y'all realize he's saying stuff that the CDC posted about 10 years ago, because, and Aaron can probably help me more so with this. They don't update statistics no. like they should. And, and so when he's giving, he's, sometimes he's just giving state information. And I'm like, your church is here in this state, but you don't even know what's going yeah. on in your backyard. And so as Aaron is giving this, they're sitting there with a deer in the headlights. And so then I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about grace. Like, let's like, what does grace look like? How does, if, if someone comes and sits in front of you, that's when you should extend grace. Right. Let's start there. But that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I don't want to get off topic, but if, what are three tips anyone can do to immediately help raise awareness of the AIDS pandemic caused by the spread of HIV. So I'm kind of going to recap a lot of what I've been talking about already um, and what everybody else was talking about is the need to first educate yourself. You know, there are plenty of websites like HIV.gov, CDC.gov that have the the facts about HIV on there. You know, we, far too often we get our facts from the um, barbershop or from the beauty salon or from everywhere else and again it right. has perpetuated it should scare me because i remember a time not too long ago where i had to correct somebody about hiv at the barbershop while i was in the barber chair i'm like uh, -uh like stop this haircut let me let me address this right now so that y'all don't all walk out of here you know thinking hiv is is curable one so that was like what the thing was so but it's so important that you get the information correct so that you can spread it correctly to other people so that's one two another thing i've been talking about is to talk about hiv with somebody who is living it day to day um mm. mickey howard said it best experience is a good teacher you know, and we need to, <laughs> we, you know, I've learned so much about HIV from other people who have been living it, you know, not, you know, not everybody who has HIV has the same journey. And so for me, it was important to 
um, talk to other people about, you know, what has been their struggle, you know, what has been their joy, what, what, how do they get, get by day to day, you know, where do they have sources of strength? Because that has helped me in my mm. own journey. And so, mm. um, it's just important to talk to people and understand. And the last tip is to incorporate conversations about HIV and health in general in your own social media platform, you know. One of the things that has been very effective for me is is incorporating, you know, maybe a, a news post about HIV or a post about HIV periodically in my social media stream. And I say periodically um, because I find that sometimes when people do it too much, people might think, oh, there's a, there's a guy talking about HIV again. Oh, let me just keep scrolling, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think the more you incorporate it in to your regular stream of posts is that you begin normalizing it. That's good. And it's just another thing to talk about. And again, you don't have to be HIV positive to spread information about HIV. That's one of Um, the things that frustrates me about, I don't want to say the community per se, but I feel like um, the LGBT community, Black LGBT community, but I feel like sometimes uh, you don't, people don't become advocates until they have it. I'll just put it out there and say oh, it. And that's one of the true. things that frustra- frustrates me. Um, you can be an advocate and be HIV negative. You can be an advocate and be a black female, straight female. You can be an advocate regardless of who you love and who you go to bed with. Right. And I just want to put that out there. Um, but it frustrates me. Like, And another thing that frustrates me that people glorify posting their negative status like oh you'll get tested you'll post it like oh i'm going to go get tested everybody go get tested but you post your negative results i guarantee i would be a millionaire if (laughs) if if people post it i bet you won't post you got that positive status right Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah. And, and that's one thing that's one thing that frustrates me like let's normalize and i hate that new term that's that's evolved in 2020 everything is let's normalize this let's normalize this but right. i'm gonna use it in this perspective and say let's normalize normalize thriving with hiv let's normalize your positive your thriving is not a death sentence um, some of those things versus like, oh, I'm a post about it because I just got tested and I'm negative. Yeah. Um, I always give people side eyes when they post a negative HIV status. I'm like, I bet you won't po- post if you was positive. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We won't hear for you for three, four months. Oh, I was going through. <laughs> I was depressed. Going no, through. you wasn't yep. depressed. You wasn't going through. You was going through your you going to your ID doctor, mm-hmm. your infectious disease doctor. So you could get your prescription. <laughs> Let's Amen. talk about it. Let's t- but 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 you know but you know I I think David you said something that that's key. We don't normalize having normal conversations. This is a normal conversation. Yeah, we're talking about it on the podcast. But how many times have you been sitting amongst your friends hearing the high risk stories that they're telling you about their sex life? And sometimes, and I'm not, and sometimes. That's the perfect opportunity to simply say, hey, when last time you got tested? That's a good segue. So for those infected, how can friends, family, and support systems help them, um, whether they're positive or negative? But let's talk about support systems. 
um, and what role support systems play in infections or awareness and prevention? Yeah, um, so I can speak for myself that what helped me in my initial diagnosis was that my family made sure that my new HIV status was not the basis of our day-to-day -day interactions moving forward. Um, again, HIV is a livable chronic condition now. It is no longer the death sentence, as, as you mentioned. Um, I feel that too many times people get want to tiptoe around somebody's HIV status. They either don't talk about it at all, or they take it so overboard that it just, you know, it alienates people, you know, like that with HIV to no longer want to talk about it at all. Yeah. And so for a support system, it's important, one, to be educated, to know the facts, um, and to be a support when the support is needed. You know, again, what has helped me in my journey is that you know, I may talk about my HIV status a handful of times throughout the year because I don't make it a point to talk about it with my parents all the time and they don't make it a point to talk about me because they know that I'm living with it, I'm thriving with it, you know, but and I'm doing okay with it. You. And it doesn't define me right, either. Right. You know? And right. I think that's, that's what's important for yeah. anyone who wants to support somebody is that that new diagnosis, those three words, is not what their life is from now on you know they are still mm -hmm. you know beautiful strong individuals you know who on occasion might need your help and i and i think if you look at it from that perspective um and realize that we all have something that we deal with you know you can help people in the long run you know live strong with this you know i also think too that those who are newly infected and have been infected for quite some time should really take the time to educate themselves. Because That's if you're true. trying to ask somebody to be a support system for you, if you don't know yourself mm -hmm. what you're dealing with or various things, all sometimes people know is what they hear or what they see on TV. So they're all, you know, and depending on what you're watching would determine how it's presented. So for instance, if you're watching Pose or anything on Logo, Logo will present it a certain way. But if you're watching, let's say Fox 5 and let's just say Empire or something just went off, it's going to present it differently because those are two different audiences. And I think if you are educated about what you are dealing with, if you're asking, if you're getting into a new relationship or you have confided in your friend about what's going on, that's when you have to own your part in that. And I think, it's not just asking someone to, hey, support me. You also have to bear some responsibility of actually learning because as you educate yourself, you will become healthier. Aaron, let me let me ask you this. Um, in your line of work, have you had people come to you and say, I'm on prep, I'm good. I don't need to take it. Because I think there's, there's prep. Oh, let, let, let me, That that's one part, but can you explain the difference between PrEP and PEP? Yes. Um, really so PrEP is, again, is the, the operative word in PrEP is pre. So it's what you take prior to a 
risk mo uh, moment or activity. So it's the um, activity of taking a one day pill to build up enough protection in your system that when you have, you know, unprotected sex or may um, use drugs recreationally with, with people, whatever the risk activity is, is that you have built enough of a protection in your system to shield HIV from infecting your cells. So um, PrEP is P, um, the, the pre. For PEP, or it's usually called NPEP as well, non-occupational post-exposure. So PEP Ooh. is post. So that is if somebody who's not on PrEP um, has a risk moment and there is a suspected exposure to HIV, that's when you have to get um, linked into a provider um, to take medications uh, 72 hours after that exposure. And you have to take it for 28 days um, to limit your risk of getting HIV in that moment. So uh, so PrEP is pre, PEP is post. So usually, again, if you're on PrEP, you don't need PEP and, and vice versa, yeah. And, and thank you for explaining that because oftentimes I've heard people my generation and even younger so i'm mm -hmm. good i'm taking prep but they at the way you just explained as to the difference between the two so what happens right if you're not taking prep and you know then you think you've been exposed so then you think the worst and you know i'm like that that is he and this is when i that that just goes back to what i said about the the education like it's more than just and david even said it, it's more than just talking to a doctor you saw how you just answered mm -hmm. that question. It was really simple, straightforward, like in layman's term. Pre means before, pep right. means after. But you'd be surprised at the number of people who think because they're doing one that that makes them exempt. No, prep it prep is it 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 covers you to a certain degree, but then you have to add the condom to it. Then you have and to that's add the thing you don't else see to that. It. So you, like it's a lot of people out out here in these streets. On OnlyFans and just for fans, I'm calling it out. You you on prep, but you're not using condoms. And that's another thing. We need to normalize. I hate using that term, but we need to normalize or glorify condom use because now we've gotten to a point where because we have prep, because we have pep, condoms are just out the window. Right. I'm like, and, and you see it in pornography daily. Like the, the last time I saw in Saints, I've seen some porn in my day. <laughs> trust and believe. <laughs> Let's just be real. Called shame the devil. Tell the truth. Uh, I've seen a lot of porn in my day. But the last time I've seen condom use and porn has been God forever because like now we're in a day and age where we we glorified not using condoms and i think that is another thing that we need to stop doing stop it because because in part of that the condom use is not just because oh you just want to put on the condom but what people don't realize is stds and stis can be a gateway yeah to the virus so if you because things can lie dormant so if you have you know gonorrhea or syphilis and that's already inside of you you may not be having any symptoms but you can come in contact with someone who may have a strand of hiv and it hits that std or sti and then then it becomes a whole different 
gamut. So now you're battling right. two different things. And so then you're wondering why your CD, when you do go get tested and your CD4 count is at 200. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I talk to people about the, the need for Connor specifically for that fact about, you know, STI infection. You know, PrEP scientifically shows that it is like 90 plus percent effective against HIV. Again, it has no protection against syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes, HPV, all of the other STIs. And so um and there's a lot of pimple booties out right, here. Right. And 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 what you <laughs> <laughs> what you do get to see a lot of the time is um especially among gay men of color is we've seen like a high instance of HIV syphilis co-infection a lot of the times. Um, and because syphilis oftentimes is just run rampant, you know, especially if your circle is close and you're all having sex with the same people, it's very easy for STIs to, to spread. And, and, hashtag DC, hashtag Atlanta, oh, hashtag Chicago. And need I go everybody. If, 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 if the circle's small enough, you know, hey, it's, it's easily pass on. So like again, two, three degrees of separation in yeah. these streets. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so let's lighten the mood. Let's lighten it. We've talked about <laughs> HIV. We've talked about World AIDS Day. So let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, we like to read. We like to uh, highlight authors on the podcast. We've had several authors on the podcast. So what are you know books that you are currently reading that you would recommend? Okay, so I feel horrible answering this question because I have not been reading as I should. So I'm going to be perfectly honest with that. Like, well, what's a favorite book? Um, well, one of the things I do want to highlight um, is the work of Black LGBTQIA plus individuals um, and one that's been making its rounds um, is um, All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. Um, and it's his child. Oh. I asked him <laughs> to be on my podcast. Maybe my podcast is just too new. Oh, but I invited him on my podcast for the first episode, and they ain't hear nothing. I got crickets, but oh, I do God. love that book. That is yeah. an amazing book. So I definitely, I, I, I'm an amen corner person. I'm an amen on that. Yeah, that is and, a good book. And, and as a black queer person with HIV. You know, because he's very open about his status. Um, back to what I was talking about, you know, once we hear each other and we see each other as our authentic selves, that we can begin that process of of truly understanding where we where we come from. And so, you know, with this topic, you know, I immediately thought of that book um, as being important. Just again peek into the lives of people who are living with this and kind of what was their experience growing up. Um, so if you had to encourage someone in 30 seconds or less, and if you had an opportunity to have like a billboard in Times Square and it was connected to your Twitter, your Facebook or IG, and just simply just give them some encouragement, what would you say? So, um, I would have to say, I would have to give them a quote from my mother. It's, it's a motto that I live by. It's, it's three simple words. Choose to live. Choose to live. 
Mm. I actually have it tattooed on my chest as a reminder to every day when you wake up, it is a moment for you to live your truest self possible. And it, it takes commitment to do that, you know, because we have jobs that don't want it to support us sometimes. We, we have friends who, you know, don't want us to be the greatest thing imaginable. But I live by the motto of choose to live because it is what has brought me joy um, as an adult and as I and, and through my journey, you know, it's it's an amazing feeling just being you. And so that is my advice to everybody. So, Aaron, it's because you said that's a mantra that you live by. Many times people have seen your your individual Facebook and they've heard you speak. Have you ever thought about branding that? Because everybody's doing t-shirts and hoodies now. Like, you know, you know how when you say, what do you want mm-hmm. your legacy to be? And when people see that's good, that Carl. Say, you could make money lead, off of that. They will always they they would always yeah. think of you because sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it. At, at the time and it'll it help somebody said. you never know so the who fact it will help these young yeah. kids out here these young boys thotting and bopping it in these dmv streets listen they need to number one protect they their pink parts and choose to live <laughs> yeah so i mean because like if you think about it you're walking down the street and you have on a hoodie or a t-shirt that says choose to live someone says well what does that mean you've shared your story and they that may be a reminder and, and and listen, you can have it this free. <laughs> listen, <laughs> you you just you just gotta yes. put pen to paper. But it, I, it, it when you said it, it made me think about how, how many times do we sit on yeah. opportunities that when what we can't say, we are provided an opportunity to speak to others. Because in in one instance, you can change so many lives. Just walking down the street with a hoodie. Just imagine the impact you would have. You were doing testing. You had a hoodie on, and somebody tested positive. But they, you had that hoodie on at the time that they tested positive. You that would be a whole different conversation. Yeah, that would free literally free somebody not to get deep spooky and spiritual but that will free somebody because listen that would change that perspective moving forward because i think a lot of people that i've talked to that are newly infected or have been affected they talk about how when they were diagnosed that was almost like a new birth or birthday where they live differently Mm -hmm. they move differently because they were diagnosed right and I know so, that was the, that was the case for me. See, confirmation. Mm-hmm. I know some vendors that can get that hoodie going. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, we'll we'll keep in touch about that after this. Please let me know. And 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 Aaron, at the end of the day, what you speak out of your mouth will manifest itself. So if you say, "Today I choose to live." You making a declaration. And so when you're standing in the mirror with a hoodie on that says choose to live, you can't help but live. I'm done. I, so here's a part of the podcast that we do 
Um, <laughs> I, I, it's not. It's kind of like an A and B selection <laughs> or good cop versus bad cop. I usually take the good cop portion, but today I'm actually gonna flip it and have David take the good cop, and I'll All take right. the bad cop. I can take portion. that. I can dig that. So, <laughs> um, Aaron is. Uh, he's been active in church before. I don't know. Are you active now? Uh, not currently. I didn't no. think so. No. But he has been active in church. So he, and like you say, he was, he grew up apostolic. So he, he's a church baby too. Uh, most of our guests are church babies. Um, so in all of your years of being active in church or non-active in church, um, what is it that you love about the church and or church culture? Um, I would have to say that there is a sense of fellowship that you get from church that you don't get from other places. And I That's love good. it when that fellowship is allowed to mature over the years, you know, just to see, you know, people, you know, from childhood to adulthood and how those relationships kind of change with the times and and mature with the times like i i love that um feeling of church being a foundational aspect of our relationship a lot of the time so that's what i've i i love about kind of the culture of church so amen corner listen connect and get your plant your roots down somewhere to have fellowship you know uh, when two or three gather that's what the books say now I guess Carl is about to pay, play devil's. Usually I play devil's advocate, so I'm I'm feeling some type of way. I guess he's gonna set it up good. <laughs> so you talked about community, and we know how broken communities can be. And in the context of broken communities, would the church be a community that's broken? And what and if it's broken, would it frustrate you? Ooh. Um, I don't necessarily think it's broken. I do think it needs, let me say this correctly. I do think that it needs to be updated. Um, my frustration with the church is that and maybe this is just a product of the times, but it has not evolved in response to kind of what has happened in our communities. Um, case, case in point, you know, this summer when we were having all the protests, you know, I saw very few churches, very few black churches come out with responses, you know, condemning you know, racism in the community. I'm like, y'all have a community, like a congregation full of black folk, you know, and they're right. looking for you for leadership. Like, and they have remained mm -hmm. silent on this. Not saying not saying at all, but many have. Um, yeah. Other times we, we hang on to a lot of religious dogma and it gets in the way, for example, of, you know, protecting the reproductive rights of women you know and and we see like you know oh see that that's a whole other topic but yeah, those baby. types of examples are just things where the church has oftentimes not done the best job of 
responding to the issues of the day that you know that we are um perfectly fine with sunday service as usual let me give you a verse you, you go home and figure it out yourself and i think it's so necessary for the church to play that leadership role more than what it is you know which is funny and unfortunate because we all know that you know civil rights movement the church was the leader mm -hmm. of the civil rights movement and for them to be where they are now um and it's a small population of people that still want the church and like we are we are cheerleading for the church to step up and be what it used to be back in the civil rights movement i know i am but I, I was having this discussion and somebody was talking about, well, you know, some black churches, they get federal funding. Some black churches, not all. Right, not all. Let's be clear about that. Not all. What happens to the ones that are not getting federal funding? Like, why aren't you stepping up? Even your storefront church can step up and, and you know, fight for the underserved populations or whatnot. Um, but they're not. But even, but even the, but even the ones that are getting federal funding, if you peel the, let's see, if you peel the layers back, they get federal funding for things that benefit them. Because here's the thing about federal grants and religious institutions. If you say you have certain programs, then you, there is money set aside for that. But here's with the evangelism piece. You can't accept money for evangelism and then turn around, turn around and antagonize those you're supposed to be bringing in. If you have the resources and the facilities to help but you're picking and choosing hey i'm only going to appeal to this person because they fit this mold okay i'm gonna deal with the heterosexual woman that has hiv but i'm not going to deal with the homosexual man that has hiv because now i have to deal with the context oh, of mom. being gay and i think that mm. being gay is a sin and so now see i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry hey man but, corner y'all can't see there, me but i'm if, i'm fanning my shade fan because listen <laughs> He tapped into something right there, honey. <laughs> I, it, it, it's, it's frustrating. And Aaron, if you could address the church in, in, in the being frustrated, right? If you could just give them a piece of advice going into 2021, coming out of 2020, hopefully churches have learned something, at least one thing. If you could give them a piece of advice going into 2021, what advice would it be? Um, I would say embrace change, you know, don't be afraid of it. You know, you probably would have, I probably would have lost good money if I would have bet against churches, you know, starting um, ministry from their kitchen tables like they are doing now because the pandemic forced them into that. But in, in many ways, it's reaching people that may not be comfortable coming into your actual um, places, your brick and mortar. Um, so embrace change. It it's, it's, takes courage, you know, to go against years worth of tradition. But, you know, in many ways, the payoff is, is great, but you have to be brave um, to do that. And I know, again, not everybody is, but I, I implored you to find some bravery, you know, if you're, if you're really wanting to reach people. 
So besides your choose to live apparel line that we've already discussed, (laughs) what other projects are you working on? Are you working on any projects that we can expect to see in the future? Um, Personally, no particular projects that I'm working on, like through my work, I, I think the main thing that we and myself are focused on people in my field is just trying to maintain services for persons with HIV in the middle of a pandemic. You know, we have seen a huge drop off of services because, you know, people can't come to in-person appointments, can't get tested in person because of social distancing. And, you know, regardless of quarantining and all that other stuff, people are still having sex, people are still getting infected and people still need those services. So I think right now it really is a situation where we're trying to make sure that we are available to respond to the service needs of persons with HIV and those most vulnerable. Um, things like promoting HIV self-tests where you know you get mailed testing products to your, your home and you can test yourself. Oh, yeah. Things like providing TA to um, agencies who want to implement telehealth and telemedicine appointments with their patients. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're here and responsive to those needs um, until however long this pandemic lasts and even after that. So, and so the work continues. You. The work continues. And we appreciate you for all that you do, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a good conversation. It has. It It could have went a whole different way. (laughs) We could have continued it, but we kept it cute. This time time around, we kept it cute. (laughs) Season two might be different. And before you leave, leave, can you just... um, give a couple of websites um, that people can go to for testing, for information, um, maybe not your office per se, but someone, so, something that they can connect to that they feel comfortable. Um, I'll do one better. Like I'll provide you with my email address because I think it's important to let you direct kind of what direction I give you, like what um, website I do give okay. you, because um, I know the needs of people are are, are different, and so um, I think I'd be much able to respond to. Um, individuals you know depending on what their needs are so if you are listening and if you are looking for online resources um you can contact me um my work email is aaron a-a-r-o-n dot davis d-a-v-i-s at maryland spelled out dot gov so aaron dot davis at maryland dot gov if you are in need of resources um definitely contact me and i would be happy to assist you in any way i can that is awesome and i think that's it we have wrapped it up we've hit everything and then some um amen corner help me thank aaron davis again for joining us on our podcast i hope you got something out of this and if you didn't listen email 
us at a website, sayamanpod.com or email Aaron. And um, one of us out of the three of us can help you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that is it for now. Thank you again, Aaron, for an amazing conversation. Um, I'm going to stop calling them interviews and I'm going to just call them discussions and conversations because they really are. Um, And it was really good. I hope you got something out of that. It was so many good nuggets um, in that discussion. Um, But, you know, just choose to live. Like you said, choose to live, embrace change, educate yourself. Um, talk with someone um, living with HIV, um, incorporate conversations within your own social media. Um, So many good nuggets in that discussion. So thank you again um, for that, Aaron. Uh, Follow him on his socials and we'll be back. I don't have anybody for um, for the altar call. These messy queens that release that album uh, release that video Daryl was it Daryl Daryl Wall Daryl we we can put that on the altar oh let me say no because that means we're going to talk about it some more I would say this about World AIDS Day okay um so amen corner you heard the discussion we had with Aaron Davis and I just want to say you may not be infected However, in some way you have been affected by a stigma, it doesn't necessarily have to be HIV. You've been affected or infected by a stigma of some sort. So educate yourself, educate others, and show compassion. We need compassion more than anything Mm -hmm. in this world. Mm -hmm. Because quickly as you go and get a COVID test, it's the same amount of time to right. get an HIV test. Yes, and, and know this, you can live, you can thrive, and you can live a full and prosperous life. Take your pill, exercise, mm-hmm. have the right people around you, love yourself, mm-hmm. and you can make it. You can make it. Amen Corner, we will be back season two, January 13th, 2021. Put it on your calendar. We are coming back for season two. Look at God. We already hit season this two. It's time for the inauguration. Listen. Oh, I'm excited. Um, who's on your prayer requests? So who's on my hmm. I'm praying for those that are grieving during the holidays. I know it's tough. It's tough any other any other year, but especially this year with over 200,000 plus people grieving over the loss of their loved ones due to COVID going into the holiday season. I'm praying for everyone that is grieving. Um, if you need to go back to the previous episode, go back to it, listen to it, share it with your friends and family about um, tips to help you get through it because you can't get through it. Um, I'm also praying for those that are homeless. 
I'm praying for the unemployed. Um, I'm also praying for unbelievers. This is a faith-based podcast. We love the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is our everything. So I pray for those who do not believe what we believe. Um, believe something. Believe in a higher power or something. But we believe in Jesus up in here. Um, <laughs> so I'm praying for the unbelievers. Um, I'm praying for... Um, Oh, I'm praying for one of our previous guests. Actually, he uh, lost his dad. I'm praying for Brandon Burke um, and his family. He lost his dad um, recently. So keep them in prayer. Um, who am I praying for? I'm praying for um, everyone that's affected and infected with HIV AIDS because we're celebrating World AIDS Day. Also keeping everyone, uh, all of those people in our prayers. Um, that's all I got for now. I'm praying for um, President-elect Joseph R. Biden. He actually, they said it was a sprain. It turned out to be a hairline fracture. So he's in a walking boot right now. Um, Uncle Joe, we need you to hold on just a little bit longer. Please Please. hold on. Please. You're 78. Listen, I understand he's not 28. Take it easy. Please. You got to pull around in a wheelchair. Put him in a bubble. Listen. (laughs) We need you. We need you to hold on, hold on a little bit longer, <laughs> please. I listen. We in good health, good health. You hear me? Good health. We need you around. Yeah. I am praying for everyone that feels stagnant. December is the new January. Just because you didn't start in January does not mean you can't finish Mm -hmm. by January. So whatever dream, whatever vision that you have, do it. You still have time. Mm -hmm. The chapter, this chapter known as 2020 is not over yet. We have seen some crazy things happen. And if you think that God still doesn't answer prayer, try him and see Try me now and see, see if I can be (laughs) completely yours. I'm praying for families that, as you said, are grieving. You know, they've already gotten through one holiday called Thanksgiving. Now here comes Christmas. And I'm praying for those who will begin to start taking the vaccine, the healthcare workers and the nursing home workers, I pray that it is as effective as they say, although we know with science, nothing is 100%, but it is a step in the right direction. Also, this isn't a prayer, but I am wishing everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Coochie Chocolia. Happy Hanukkah. All that stuff. Coochie Chocolia. We, we, Captain it all joy that you've allowed us into your hearts, into your homes during this pandemic. There, you know, as we say in church, there are many other places you could have been. Right. <laughs> but you thought it not Listen. That's it right there. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you again. So we honestly pray that something we have said, shared, has inspired you and it helped you 
and made this new normal, as they say, a little bit easier to navigate. Mm-hmm. So we love you. We thank you. We appreciate you. That's it. I, I, I ain't got nothing. That's it. I'm going to leave it there. That's exactly what you took the words out of my mouth. So be blessed. Um, As we say at the end of each podcast, may the favor of the Lord fight for you, fend for you, flourish you, and surround you like a shield until we meet again. Be safe. We love you. And um, amen. And if you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>